Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast, where I get you disconnected from addiction and plugged into recovery. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. If you are struggling with addiction, you could reach out to my direct line. That is 203-917-8862. Again, 203-917-8862. What I want to talk with you about today is my opioid addiction. And it was a beast, an absolute beast of an addiction. Um, I didn't think I'd ever get off of heroin. I really didn't. I didn't think I'd ever be able to stop. Um, I remember my first time like uh, like it was yesterday. And I really thought that I, the first time I did heroin, after I got over the fear of overdosing, I felt like I had found the thing that I had always been searching for, that this was the solution that I had always been looking for. You know what I mean? And I didn't even know I was searching for it. Um, it gave me peace of mind. It gave me uh, serenity. It relieved me of my worries and my stresses. And I almost felt like overnight, um, that there was going to be no other way to get through life without that feeling. You know what I mean? I truly did feel that. Now, the first time I did heroin, I was 15 years old and I, to be honest with you, I really didn't even know what I was doing. Um, it kind of happened by accident. And, um, you know, I was with someone and uh, they dropped a couple bags on the floor and I picked it up not even knowing what it was. I was 15 years old. I was actually expelled uh, from school at this time because in the ninth grade I got caught with, I got caught with weed in, in school and they kind of didn't give me any more chances. They had enough of my sh- my shit, <clears throat> excuse me. And so they got they got rid of me. They expelled me for the year. And and during that year, I had a lot of downtime, other than tutoring and stuff like that. And and uh, kind of worked my way around. Uh, I got I got into a lot of trouble. I really did. And it just wasn't in school. And so my addiction clearly was progressing at this time. And, and by the time I was 15, I, I've been smoking weed for, for a long time and very, very heavily. And I was not, uh, I was not shy of trying other things. And so when I saw this individual drop a few bags on the floor, I honestly didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was heroin. I knew that this individual was doing pills. I thought that they were doing oxys and, um, I picked up the bags that were on the ground and and they had two stamps on them and one was stamped white label and the other wax bag was stamp, uh, stamped black label and I dumped out the white label bag and I snorted it. I snorted my first bag of heroin not even knowing what it was. I, I was very naive. I mean, I wasn't really exposed to the drug game like that even at 15. Uh, um, I really hadn't gotten my hands dirty in that whatsoever. So, um, I didn't know how it worked. I thought it was like oxys that were broken down already in a bag. I had no idea. Very naive. And I, uh, dumped that bag out. I, I did it. I did the heroin. I sniffed it. And, um, for a little while I thought I was going to die. I didn't think I was going to make it. I was falling in and out of consciousness. I, I remember after doing the bag, like a couple, like literally 20 seconds later, I was like, all right, now I got to act normal and try to get away with this because uh, I was at home 
and my mother was home and I actually had family that was home. And so I tried to act like everything was normal. I tried to like shoot, uh, shoot the basketball outside. And I remember I almost fell right on my face and, um, and I was like, holy shit, like what is going on? You know? And I remember being pretty nervous that I wasn't going to make it because I knew I was trashed and I was nervous for a little bit. And so what I did was I was in the backyard or I went around my house to the backyard and, and there was a hammock outside and I just laid there. Uh, I just laid in the hammock because I felt like that was kind of like a safe place to just kind of exclude myself and not be around anybody and just kind of, you know, just, just close my eyes. And um, I remember swinging on the hammock and whether I was going to die or not, I remember being at peace with it. You know what I mean? And I just kind of didn't have a care in the world. And um, I have no idea how long I was out for. Um, it could have been a, a very, very long time. It could have just been an hour. I'm, I'm really not sure. I have no way of telling. Um, but all I know is that I, I did come to. I woke up sometime later and I woke, uh, when I woke up, I went into my house and my mom saw me and she looked at me confused and was like, where the fuck have you been? And I was like, ah, I was like, I'm, I've been laying in the hammock. And she was like, what are you, she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's, it's raining outside. And I was so trashed. I was so messed up from, from being high. And I was just so out of it that, um, I was sleeping in the rain. You know what I mean? And, um, I definitely think I overdosed, um, for sure. I, I do not know. I mean, I don't know what 15-year-old is doing uh, full bags of heroin, right? I mean, it doesn't really happen. And so um, I just, I was just so trashed that I didn't even realize that I had been sleeping in the rain. It didn't, like, really compute with my thoughts. I was just really in my own world, you know what I mean? And um, I remember after that day... <clears throat> Well, you know, I, I tried to eat and my mom tried to, my mom knew something was up. It was pretty obvious and she just didn't know what. And, and so did other family members. They just didn't know what was going on. And um, I remember trying to eat something and I, and I threw up and I just couldn't keep anything down. And I remember after that day that that was not going to be my last time uh, doing, doing heroin or opiates. Like it didn't really matter to me. I knew that that was uh was the first time and it was not going to be the last and shortly after that um I really started to dive into pills it's weird because I didn't really just strictly get into heroin at that time um I did find out later that it was heroin and I it didn't really change my mindset I was the type of kid that I was willing to try anything I mean I was the type of kid that smoked I smoked weed at nine years old so clearly uh, experimenting and trying new things was not foreign to me or weird to me. And I wasn't really scared of, uh, you know, when it came, when it came to that. And so when I turned 16, I really dove into pills. I mean, head first, uh, that was, that was like my exposure to harder drugs. And it really did open up the floodgates because at 16, uh, but during this time, I was selling weed when I was already expelled from school, and I was starting to make money, 
and um, it was kind of like a crash course, um, you know, made, it, it was just made to happen, and it couldn't have happened at a worse time, you know what I mean, I was starting to make money, I was self-sufficient, you couldn't tell me shit, um, I just kind of did my own thing, and this is when I started getting into uh, Xanax and, and uh, Oxys and the, the real Oxy-80s when they were, they were huge back then. This is when the Oxy-80 boom was, was just absolutely massive. It was everywhere. Um, and uh, the 30s weren't even really a big thing. They were like an afterthought because the 80s were, were just everywhere. And um, I started getting into ecstasy and... Later on, I, I even started, you know, diving into coke and all that. And the opioids, the the opiates, I really had a grip on me, big time. Um, when I was sixteen, this is when I like really started to die. So I actually dove into the Xanax first. The Xanax was a real problem. That was like my first problem for sure. But somewhere not long after that, I. I started to dive into the 80s, and, and it had a real, real grip on me. Um, I used to do the, the Xanax, the Xanning bars, and the Oxy-80s together, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew that when I did this stuff, I didn't care about nothing. Everything that I worried about, all the... Um, internal discomfort that I had, the anger, the fear that I had, it all dissipated. It all went away. You know what I mean? And I really believe that that was going to be the solution to my problems from there on out. And I lived that way. That's exactly how I lived. I chased that high over and over and over again. And I didn't see a problem with it. I mean, I really didn't. I figured, you know what, it's my life. I can live how I want to. And I'm not impacting anybody else. And um, I just didn't realize how devastating of a problem it was really going to be. You know what I mean? It, it, it really just progressed into more and more and more. And I remember when I was first getting into it, it used to be, you know, once on the weekend or once every year and there, and I'd be experimenting with other things. And, um, but not shortly after that, me and, uh, me and one of my best friends, Will, who I now own a facility with, ironically. Um, I remember me and him used to, we used to get pills together and we would go just to like kind of justify what we were doing and, and try to make ourselves feel better. We'd be like, all right, like, you know, we'll get high today, but tomorrow we won't, you know, tomorrow we'll kind of chill out, you know what I mean? And we'll take, we'll take a day off and kind of just make sure we don't get addicted to these things. And, and we really thought we were being smooth and really thought we were fooling ourselves here. And um, the next day would, would roll around and we'd get together and we'd look at one another and we wouldn't even have to say anything. I mean, we both knew that we were going to get pills and, and we were going to get high. And we would say the same thing the next day. Ah, tomorrow. Tomorrow I won't. And tomorrow we'll figure it out and we'll take a break and make sure we don't get addicted and... Um, this went on over and over and over again. And one time, you know, until it came the day where I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't get any pills. Um, 
I was also dabbling with heroin at this time as well. Um, and I remember I started feeling really sick and felt like I had like a fever and then the chills and uh, my stomach was upset and I felt like I had these pins and needles and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I, um, I was at home and I'll never forget it. And my brother who also had his, uh, he had his battles with addiction as well, and he's doing good now, but uh, he's had his battles, and at this time, he asked me if I if I had gotten high that day, and I said, no. He said, no, I haven't, and he said, uh, well, he's like, you're, you're sick. I was like, what do you mean I'm sick? Like, sick from what? Like, I have the fucking fever? I have a fever or cold, or what do you mean? I was like, yeah, no shit, I'm sick. He's like, yeah, but he's like, yeah, you're, you're dope sick. Like, you're sick from not taking pills. You're sick from not doing heroin. You're sick from not taking opiates. And, uh, and that was the first time I ever made the correlation and the connection of being sick. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that either. I remember exactly where I was standing. I was standing in my room upstairs, and I just looked at him like, like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm... Um, physically sick from not taking these pills and uh and he said that's correct that's right and this is what being dope sick is like and uh and I'll just never forget that I, I just I made the connection of there's no way I can feel like this I have to get high it's not even like a thing that I thought about I was getting high on a daily basis anyway but I didn't know that I would be sick without it. And once I knew that, it was game on. And uh, things really turned after that. You know, the desperation just just reached an all-time, an all-time level. And, you know, this, this is when you know a normal person that, that doesn't have an addiction, their brain, their body doesn't respond the same to the way that my body reacts when I put drugs in it. And I don't remember the first steak I ever had. I love steak. I don't remember the first time I had homemade macaroni and cheese and it's my favorite food. I don't remember, I barely remember the first time I had sex. You know what I mean? I barely remember that. I like can piece it together type of thing. I don't remember the first time I got an A on my report card. Because I didn't get many of them. So when I did, it was significant. But I remember the first time I smoked weed. I remember the first time I did heroin. I remember the first time I did Xanax. And this is how you know that the individual who, is a, who has an addictive personality that struggles with addiction, we operate differently. We function differently when we put drugs or alcohol in our body. We have a different physical, mental, and emotional response. And I've seen it play out in my life so many times where once I start, I cannot stop. I have a different response than a normal individual, a person who does not struggle with this stuff. So opioids really was the, it was my, it was the hardest, it was the hardest drug for me to overcome. It was the hardest battle. I was obsessed. It led me to times that 
I couldn't imagine I'd ever be in. You know what I mean? The Xanax always landed me in the tr- in trouble, no matter what. I got in so much trouble because of the Xanax, and I really ended up in positions I had no business being in. But, but the opioids crippled me, like took me to my, put me on my knees and, and fucking crippled me. You know what I mean? I would do just about anything to get that bag of dope. I didn't care who I had to screw over. I didn't care what I had to do. I didn't care if I had to rob, uh, rob a gas station, clearly, right? As I did. Um, as some of you know, as this, as the story goes. And I just got to such an emotional, mental low bottom because of the opioids that, you know, I really haven't experienced with, with too many other things. I really haven't experienced with any other thing, maybe other than the gambling. The gambling is another addiction that is just absolutely ruthless and cunning and baffling, but that's for another story, you know? The opioids, man, it will, uh, it will change who you are and you not even want, you don't even you don't even mean for it to happen. You don't even want to change as an individual because I was constantly justifying my actions. I was constantly telling myself that how things were going to change and eventually things would be different, right? I mean, I, 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 always, I always thought it was going to be in my life, but I also thought I would figure it out. Like maybe I would outgrow this or maybe I, I, could, I could use these, these drugs and not change as a person and, and we could, we'd rationalize and justify taking these drugs in any way we possibly can. And it just got to the point for me where I became a shell of, of myself, of who I was supposed to be. I became an individual that I don't even recognize now. You know what I mean? An absolute monster. And I don't wish that life on anybody. Now, with the shit that's out there today, fentanyl, there is no way, there is no chance I would have made it. No shot. Because I was a reckless user. I wasn't a careful individual. Um, I ain't counting no pills and and this, that, and the third, you know what I mean? Like I, I, there's no way I would have made it out there. And I'm very grateful that I got sober when I did, because I kind of just missed the fentanyl, um, when it hit, I really did. It, It came in what, maybe, maybe 16, 15, 16, it really started to pop up. And I got sober in 2013 and I'm really grateful for that. And I'll never forget this too. When I was really deep into my addiction, I was, I was, really heavily um, involved in the Oxy 80s and that was a whole epidemic in itself and I'll never forget when they pulled them off the shelves they changed the formula and you couldn't uh, you couldn't really use them like like how you're used to using them Uh, and um, basically everybody had a choice everybody had an option to um get the 30s, get the, the legitimate at the time, the oxycodone 30s. And, uh, but that, but you needed three of them to get as high as an 80. And I was like, what the hell are these? Not only that, but they jacked the prices up because that was all that was left. And, um, or you moved on to the heroin, you know? So for a little bit of time, I, I was getting the 30s and I was like, this shit is, is for the birds. I was like, I, I need to get I need to get three of these things. And so 
it was costing way too much. And I certainly wasn't trying to change my ways. So what is any resourceful addict going to do? They're going to move on to bigger and stronger and cheaper things. And that's exactly what happened. This is when I'm really dove into the heroin is, is when they pulled the, the 80s off the shelves. And, and this is what was going on during that time. This is what was going on with everybody. Um, and it really crushed a lot of souls. It crushed a lot of lives. Um, overdoses spiked. Uh, crime spiked. I mean, you name it, Just it was just devastating. It was devastating in the country. And it's very, very similar to what is going on now with the fentanyl. It's just that the fentanyl is even more deadly. And so the problem, the problem is not going away, right? I look around and I see what's going on and, you know, it's a part of the reason why I feel an obligation and, and I do what I do. It's because it's like people are fucking struggling out here, man. And it is no joke. And, you know, it's, it's just ravaging communities and families and, and our country. And it's really sad to see. And um, I just know what that feeling is like of just quiet desperation. You're just, you know, in your head, in your mind, you are desperate to change, but you don't know how. You don't have confidence that you can. Um, you don't think that there's another way of living. Um, and you can't see a future with you in it where you're sober because it's just it fucking it's mind-blowing you know what i mean i didn't think i'd ever be able to get clean man ever and um i, I was as bad as anybody and i knew that there was more for me in life i did know that i knew that there was a, a better version of myself i just couldn't picture how to get there and how to do that I, it just did not make any sense to me. I could not wrap my head around how I was going to live without getting high. You know what I mean? And, and that's why it took so much pain. It took everything, every circumstance, consequence, and suffering, every uh, tool of suffering that came my way, I needed to experience because I could not get sober without it. Really, I mean, it wasn't one singular thing, but it was the accumulation of every fucking thing I went through that helped me get sober. You know what I mean? And you might be experiencing this. It might not be opioids. It might be some other substance, but regardless, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's just, if you know that you're on a path that ain't working, maybe it's time to start walking on another path. And maybe it's time to start reaching out to people that have been there before and you can relate to and take guidance from because if you're the captain of your own ship and your ship is going into a fucking storm and you don't know how to control this thing maybe you should let someone else steer for a little bit maybe it's time to take your hands off the wheel and let someone else drive for a little while that's what i needed to do because i was running my life right into the ground fast really fast quickly <laughs> I was 20 years old on the verge of homelessness with a fucking needle in my arm. That was the last day I ever got high was uh, I had nowhere to live uh, within the next week. I had nowhere to go. And um, I spent my last $15 on a couple bags of heroin and I used the needle for the first time for the very first time I used the needle at 20 years old. And I knew that my life was going to change that day, one way or another. 
I was either going to get sober and, and, you know, try to at least get sober and, and, you know, one day at a time, who knows, maybe I could string together a couple days and maybe things will work out. Right. But I, I knew that I was, I was either going to try to get sober and, uh, go down that path, or I knew I was going to either continue to get high using the needle and, uh, I was probably going to die within that year. And that was the beginning of my journey. That was April, uh, April 13th, 2013. And uh, I'll never forget that day, too. I'll never forget how I felt that day. And just the soulless individual I was. Uh, just absolutely hopeless, helpless. You couldn't tell me... You couldn't tell me anything, that there was any type of bright future for me. I just I just wanted the pain to stop. That was really it. I mean, I was kind of signing up for that. I didn't think I'd be able to get sober, but I was willing to give it a shot because I just wanted to... I just knew I I needed something to change. I needed something different. So that's what opened my mind up to even trying to get sober. I wasn't confident that I'd be able to get clean. But I was confident in the fact that I couldn't continue going the way that I was. And shit, I got nothing to lose. I might as well try something else. This is when I reached out to my mom and I moved in with her and started going going to meetings and I got some help and... And uh, just kept, man, I just kept pressing. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and things just fell right into place. It happened despite my decision-making, not because of it. I got out of my own way. That's how I got clean off of heroin. That's how I got clean off of Xanax. That's how I got clean off of everything else. It wasn't wasn't my genius thinking and ideology. It was despite my fucked-up thinking and my genius master plans, as I like to call them, you know, so if you're in this position, if you feel like you need some type of help, you you need some change of scenery, and you're willing to fucking do something different for for a change, and you know, you don't want to continue down this path, you don't have to, it's not, it's not an option that like, it's not like you have to continue down this path, there is a better way, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You know, but you have to be willing to to put in the work and just get out of your own way, man. You have to be willing to take some advice and and be willing to be honest with yourself and be honest with another individual. And if you are, the help is available. You know, I'll help you. I mean, listen, I will do whatever I can to help. And Um, If you do find yourself in that position, you can reach out to my direct line. It is 203-917-8862. Again, 203-917-8862. And uh, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, that's exactly where you need to be. If you're desperate and you're actually willing to do something different and you're in a lot of pain, welcome to the club. That's exactly all, all it takes in order to get sober is being in pain and being willing to, to take some advice, take some suggestions, and, and want to make a difference in your life. That's it. You don't have to have confidence. You don't have to have faith that things are going to work out. Matter of fact, it would be weird if you did. It would be weird if you did have confidence, think of it, things would work out. But you will, you will find slowly over time that things will work out. But you got to be willing to reach out for help and do something different. Because if you don't do anything different, you're going to continue to get the same results. So... 
That's all I got for you today. I appreciate you being on here. If you could rate this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. And, uh, and much love. I will see you on the next one.